It's Stock Stories, episode 70. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Alex. I am your host, and this is the Stock Stories Podcast. What is this podcast all about? It's about helping you become a better individual investor. That's it. Making better decisions when investing, specifically in stocks. And how do we do that? We do that through case studies of real companies and also mental models. And I think these two things are so important. They, I think they merge together well for just a good way to learn, to learn and experience from the academic and the practical side. And we are going through every company in the S&P 500 as a part of this podcast. That's not to say I won't do stocks that aren't in the S&P. I have been known to do that, especially in recent months just because I think companies are interesting and I want to see what they're all about. And so, yeah, that's what we do here on this podcast is we go through companies. And today is no exception. I have another large company for you today. It's an industrial company and you almost undoubtedly know about it if you work in an industrial type setting or even in an office environment. So let's go ahead and talk about 3M. All right, 3M is an industrial conglomerate and they're kind of like General Electric in a sense, not quite as big as General Electric, but they're one of the big industrial conglomerates in America. And first of all, what does 3M even mean? Does that have any significance? And it turns out it does. 3M stands for Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing. And that was the original name of the company back in 1902 when the company was founded in, you guessed it, Minnesota. It started out as a mining venture, but it ultimately failed. But the owners of the company got together and in Duluth, Minnesota, they began researching sandpaper, which was really a novel product at the time. And so they started to put together these different materials and started really investing in material research. This became sort of the backbone of what the company really is today, which is a large industrial conglomerate really has its roots in research and still is heavily focused on R&D to this day. So what happened was they got good at making sandpaper and eventually they started making sales because it has a lot of uses as an abrasive in a variety of settings and they kept growing their sales. They developed a product called 3Mite. (laughs) 
which is a little tricky to say. But this was developed in 1914 as the first exclusive product. So other people were trying to make sandpaper at the time, uh, but 3M started making their own brands. And this was really the birth of their brand portfolio in industrial products. Now that was in 1914. Just two years later, in 1916, 3M started paying dividends to stockholders. And this has significance because as I record this in 2019, 3M is still paying dividends. And in fact, over this 103-year stretch, 3M has never not paid a dividend. Doesn't matter about all of the world wars or recessions or terrorist attacks. 3M kept paying you a check every year as long as you held that stock. So I find that very significant because there are really, truly very few companies in existence in the world that have that kind of history of returning cash to shareholders. And this is one of those things that to me as an individual investor, I'm looking at and saying, wow, that's a really strong sign of earnings quality, right? Because as they say, you can't fake cash. So dividends are real cash that are paid out to you, the shareholder, And of course, you want a good portion of the profits to be reinvested in future growth for the company, but dividends don't lie. Uh, Whether you favor dividends or not, uh, there's no getting around the fact that if they are paid out over a long period of time, it's an indicator of strong cash flow generation from the business. And 3M has been doing that since 1916. Now, throughout the 1920s, They had a lot of innovative products that we still use today. This was a period of some intense innovation, some intense R&D, and you'll recognize probably a lot of these products, if not all of them. So things like masking tape or waterproof materials, sandpaper, as we mentioned, and scotch tape. Scotch tape was invented back in the 1920s by 3M. It's still sold today in the stores. Very useful. And then over the years, they kept creating new and new more materials. So they listed on the New York Stock Exchange in 1946 and became publicly traded. Some other innovations include, other than the ones I just mentioned, some reflective material for traffic signs, tape for recording audio, surgical tapes, gift ribbons, magnetic tapes for TV recordings, you name it. Any sort of commercialized material that existed, 3M probably had a hand in developing it or trying to compete against it. And so this is really thanks to the management and the scientists at 3M who made all these discoveries and, and put forth a lot of effort into finding good uses for their products. Now, 3M started expanding beyond the borders of the United States as early as 1951. They expanded their sales into Australia, Brazil, Canada, France, Germany, Mexico, and the United Kingdom. And then throughout the 50s and 60s, they kept innovating. They created things like synthetic grass, full-color copying machines, thermal insulation, and the list goes on. By 1980, 3M had invented probably one of their most famous products ever, which 
I still use to this day, actually. It's the post-it note. It's this little piece of paper with just a little bit of adhesive on one part of the backside, and you can just take it off the pad, stick it anywhere, and write on it. Incredibly useful, incredibly simple, but amazing, right? 3M created the post-it note. Now, more decades passed. By 2004, 3M had $20 billion in sales. And by 2014, another decade later, they had over 100,000 patents in their company. Wow. This is a company that truly grew from almost nothing, starting off with sandpaper to this behemoth that is known for so many different industrial products that we know and use today and in fact rely upon a lot of these types of products today. So where is 3M right now? Let's take it to the present. So they make products for virtually every industry. 3M is the quintessential American industrial conglomerate. I would say other than General Electric, which (laughs) we've talked at length about General Electric um, several months ago, if you're you're interested in that. I actually did two episodes on GE uh, in the archives there. But as far as 3M goes, these are their different divisions. They have the industrial division, a safety and graphics division, a healthcare division, a consumer division, and then an electronics and energy division. Now, the industrial division, that's things like abrasives, so think like sandpaper, adhesives, so think of things like sticky tape or substances or coatings, and ceramics. The safety and graphics segment, they do things like film, reflective, sheeting, uh, different types of systems like that. Healthcare, should be obvious, sterilization equipment, things for wound care. For consumer segment, they have office supplies, post-it notes, shout out to the post-it note, insulation, and bandages. For electronics and energy, they do things like glare reduction and flexible circuitry. Now, all of these segments do contribute meaningfully to the business, which is one thing that I found interesting. Uh, Sometimes you see companies, even very large companies, that have all these different business segments, but really it's just one or two that is meaningful to the bottom line of the company or meaningful to the top line of the company. But that's not the case with 3M. It's pretty well diversified. For example, for healthcare, they had $6.8 billion in sales last year. Consumer had $5.1 billion in sales. Industrial had $12.5 billion, and et cetera. So each of these segments by themselves could be their own standalone multi-billion dollar business, which is pretty impressive. So 3M is indeed massive conglomerate. And their international diversification, remember how in the 50s they had just started that uh, diversification overseas? Well, today their products are sold in over 200 countries. They're sold virtually everywhere because they're just so useful in everyday life. So 3M definitely has the breadth that I like to see in a large, mature company. Now let's get into the financials. What's going on here? So I'm comparing the most recent year of financials, so 2018, to five years prior, 2013. All the numbers that I'm going to be saying are between those two years, 2013 to 2018. 
So let's first look at the sales. The sales increased from about $30.8 billion in 2013 all the way to $32.7 billion in 2018. So if you want to use round numbers, they increased their sales from about $31 billion to about $33 billion over a five-year time span. Now, frankly, that's not very <laughs> that's not very fast growth. That's not a lot of growth. That's about 3% annual growth rate. And the way that I calculate these growth rates, by, by the way, guys, is just a compound annual growth formula. Uh, and you can, you can look that up pretty easily to see what the formula is. But it effectively smooths out growth between two different data, data points to come up with um, a more or less smooth annual growth rate. So sales have increased at 3M at about 3% annually. And as far as their income generation, between that five-year period, they went from about $4.6 billion to $5.3 billion. And if you do the math on that, guess what that gets you? That is about 3% annual growth in income. So this is the definition of a slow-growing company, right? This is what Peter Lynch talks about in One Up on Wall Street when categorizing different stocks. This is a, a large, large business with a lot of sales, billions and billions in existing sales, and they're just growing kind of slowly. But frankly, what can you do when you're that big and you're a business that's selling physical products? That's what's going to happen because you've already dominated the market. Now, as far as earnings per share, here's where things get a little bit more interesting. Now, in 2013, 3M posted profits of $6.72 per share. Now, this past year in 2018, they posted profits of $8.89 per share. So a couple dollar increase in per share earnings, which this equates to about a 5.7% annual growth rate over this five-year period. And again, I'm using the compound annual growth rate formula to get that number. So what does this tell us? That means that the income went up by about 3% a year, but the earnings per share went up a little bit higher. So the shares have been decreasing in number. So this is good. This means that the company is actively buying back stock. The dividends that 3M has paid has also increased pretty nicely over this time period as well. It's increased by about 16% annually, which is pretty great, but it's starting to become unsustainable just because the growth rate of the dividends is so much faster than the growth rate of the earnings. And you can only do that for so long without endangering the stability of the dividend. I think the dividend is still pretty safe, uh, but it is going to see slower growth in the future than, than in the recent past, is my view. One thing I wanted to mention about this income statement before we move on to the balance sheet is I took a look at research and development costs. Because 3M is an industrial business that is really founded on innovation and research from its very beginnings... I wanted to see how that has played into how the company allocates capital today towards research and development. So in the income statement, there is a section for research and development. Now in 2013, management spent about $5.5 billion on R&D. And in 2018, they spent about the same amount. So yeah, nothing too interesting here. 
they are spending a massive amount of money on their research, which is great, but that number is not increasing. And frankly, I would expect that number to be increasing a little bit more than it, it, it is in the, reflected in the financial statements. Now, one of the um, publications that I read occasionally is MIT Technology Review. And there's a really great article recently about the cost of innovation and the slowing rate of productivity based on the dollar spend. So let me get into that a little bit. So R&D, traditionally, you spend money to get money back, right? It's an investment in your business. You're trying to discover new materials, come up with new processes, create new inventions and patents and intellectual properties that you can then package that as a product and sell it at a high price. That's the basis of R&D. So this fundamental science is really important to innovation, not just in 3M, but in any company. But one thing that this article that I was reading found is that we're starting to um, we're starting to come up with new ideas. Humanity has always been very ingenious and creative. So we're still coming up with great new ideas. The problem is that big ideas are now more expensive per unit of productivity that we're gaining. So we have to spend more and more dollars in order to get the same growth rate of productivity that we were able to in the past. And so this is, this is an interesting insight because if you connect the insight from this article to the income statement of 3M, my conclusion is that 3M really needs to focus more on reinvesting in its business or into strategic acquisitions or something of that sort in order to make sure that their basic science is not neglected too much as a percentage of their total sales, let's say. So that's just something that I was thinking about as I was going through the financial statements here. 3M is definitely dedicating a lot toward R&D, and it's great, but the cost of research, I think, needs to rise in order to enable greater productivity in order to ultimately create greater earnings for the company. So that's something that I'll link to in the show notes, that article. Let's move on to the balance sheet. All right. Again, we're using the same years for comparison, 2013 to 2018. The cash position has remained unchanged at $3 billion. The assets have increased slightly from about $33 billion to about $36 billion. One thing that is of note is the long-term debt has tripled over this five-year period. So they had about $4 billion in debt in 2013, but now in 2018, 3M has over $13 billion in debt. So the liabilities have increased. Not something I'll love to see, but again, we keep seeing this trend over and over with large companies just tacking on the debt because interest rates are historically still really low. All right, now as far as the cash flow statement, the operating cash was about $6 billion, but now it's about $6.5 billion, about a 2% increase in the operating cash flow. Nothing too crazy, pretty slow growth. The investing cash, the way the business invests their cash is uh, they buy new equipment, just kind of typical corporate activities. I didn't see anything too interesting in that section of the cash flow statement. And then as far as financing cash, 3M spent 
over $5 billion in financing cash in 2013 and almost $7 billion in financing cash in 2018. Now, this big difference is mainly attributable to share buybacks and dividends, which let's talk about share buybacks and dividends. Right now, 3M is spending about $5.76 a share in dividends. And based on the stock price of about $173 right now, it's about a 3% yield, about 3.3%. Now, as far as the share buybacks, looking at the, the, the data from the 2013 annual report and the 2018 annual report, 3M has been buying back stock pretty consistently over the years at about a 3% rate. So they're paying about a 3% dividend, buying back about 3% of their stock. And then their core earnings are pretty predictable, about 2 to 4% a year. <laughs> Nothing too crazy, but hey, it's stable, right? Sometimes you pay for stability. Uh, so if we add up all these factors, 3% plus 3% plus 3%, we get 9%. So let's say between 8 and 10% earnings growth overall. Um, I think this is pretty solid, pretty reasonable. It's a business that is truly in harvest mode. It's just paying out all of this cash flow to shareholders. I think this is great in the short term. In the long term, the growth rate of the profits is going to slow. I think just because it's just such a big company. Maybe it'll break into smaller pieces one day. I don't know. But that's kind of the picture with 3M. One quick note that I want to say before we finish up is there's an interesting part of the 10K that talks about it breaks out all the different sub-segments within the company and what their sales were over the past few years. And there's one segment in particular that really stands out, and that's the personal safety segment. The personal safety segment over the past three years has grown at 17% annually as far as its sales. So this is a bright spot within a large company that is just kind of lumbering uh, lumbering forward as far as its slow growth. So this personal safety segment is this, the third biggest sub-segment in sales behind electronics, which is $4 billion in sales, and adhesives and tapes, which is $4.6 billion in sales. So this personal safety segment brought in $3.6 billion in sales in 2018, and I expect that to be much bigger in 2019 based on the historical growth. Uh, so who knows? Maybe this will be something that's spun off one day. Maybe it'll be just a bigger portion of the business. But there is some, some glimmers of growth there. Just because it's a big company doesn't mean it, it doesn't have pockets of fast growth. So I just wanted to point that out. Now, as far as valuation, let's talk about this for a second. So the price, as I mentioned, is around $173 a share right now. And the earnings are not close to $9. So it's trading at about 19, 19 to 20 times earnings, which is a little bit rich, I would say, but not too rich. For a company with earnings of this quality, I think that's actually a pretty fair price to pay. Maybe slightly on the high side, but I wouldn't quibble too much over it because the company truly is high quality. I mean, we're talking about 60 years of dividend increases, 
100 years, the full century of dividend payouts, that's quality cash flow, if I ever saw it. So it's probably not going to compress too much in valuation just because it is such a stable business, but you're not going to see shoot the lights out growth either. I would expect a long-term owner of 3M to compound their money at probably between 8 and 10% annually, which is not too shabby. So you get stable cash flows, a good industrial business that even in the recession of 08 and 09 managed to keep their sales marching forward, keep their income marching forward. They didn't see these steep declines like, for example, a lot of banks saw really steep declines in their earnings. But not a business like 3M. It's a massive conglomerate. People are still going to buy post-it notes. People are still going to buy industrial safety equipment. It's a good, stable business. It's just really slow growing. But I think it's more or less fairly valued right now. So that's something that I like to see. I hope management cleans up the debt a little bit, but, eh, you know, one can only hope. (laughs) The cash flows are stable nonetheless, so I'm not complaining about that. All right, so that's my opinion on 3M. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode and listening through to hear all the details about a large, slow-growing industrial company. (laughs) Sometimes I feel funny doing these podcasts because I know that other investing podcasts or articles are are so busy talking about like speculating if if like Tesla is going to grow super fast or all these other high growth businesses and, and I'm I'm over here <laughs> with you talking about 3M. <laughs> but nonetheless, there are many different types of companies out there and I think many different types of companies can play an important role in a portfolio. It doesn't all have to be high growth investments and in the future, I will talk about the Teslas of the world and, and talk about different types of companies. So no worries there. I'll try, I'll, I will cover a wide breadth of companies. Um, and so, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And if you want to get in touch with me, reach out to me on Instagram at stockstories1 or you can just email me at alex at stockstoriespodcast.com. And by the way, I have gotten some emails recently from a few of you all, and I haven't responded to to some of them. So just a heads up, if you send me an email, I will respond to you. So thank you for your email and and for your feedback as well, especially those of you providing some constructive criticism. I'm always trying to improve on the show, always trying to get better. So especially those of you who have a lot of knowledge and wisdom to share, thank you. I, I appreciate it. So that'll do it for this episode, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Stock Stories is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.